right, everybody, welcome back to episode four of the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome to week two of the CFB 2022 season. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, I have my co-host with me freshly. Uh, uh, he's good to go now, 100%, Mr. Ethan Sowers. At Ethan Sowers, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Man, we are feeling good and we are COVID-free, so love yes. to see that. I'm glad to have you back. Of course, you might see someone missing, and that's Mr. Chris K. He went on vacation, Hilton Head. He decided to get closer to where I'm at in the States, enjoy the beach a little bit before it gets a little colder. Got back, but we had some scheduling issues. But fear not, we have our fearless leader. Of course, he is our CFF team lead at Campus of Canton. He is the Flex 5 5 undisputed champion of the world, Mr. Jared Pongram at CFF underscore Jared. Jared, welcome to the Bet on C2C podcast, sir. Well, first of all, thank you for once again having me on one of your shows, Brandon. This is the fourth time I've been on one of your shows and the third different show of yours that I've been on. So again, I I am always happy to be on one of these. Uh, But can we talk about real quick this rumor you have been spreading around about me? (laughs) This idea that like I am some kind of prop pick king because we happen to have a really good week. The one week I came on, you tell people I hit five, five play flexes all the time. It's not, not true, all people. the time. Do do not do not believe this lies and slant. Like is not slander because you're propping me up. I don't know. You up? Yeah. I don't know. I'm okay. I'm turning you it's into the, a uh, the propaganda. It's it propaganda. Propaganda. <laughs> I, I I appreciate the flattery, but do do not go to my prize picks expecting a five play flex every single week. No, but when we hit, we hit glorious. And so (laughs) this is true. And then when me and Jared come together and put together five players, sometimes magic happens. So we're not saying it's going to happen, happen. but it did last time. So there's not a lot of pressure, but there's some pressure for Jared just this week. But we'll talk about are we playing five or are we playing others as well. But, hey, let's get started. First, we want to bring up, hey, this is week two is for you, of course, is the episode. Of course, I have to come up with my lines. You know, it's just it's proper. I have to do it. Are you doing uh, this every week? Are you going to rhyme it somehow? Maybe. I, I might. I don't know it's yet. like week uh, five, I'm feeling alive. Me- Actually, that was one-on-ones I had on. I'm going to strike that out and do it again. It is what it is. But hey, while we're thinking about cool catchphrases, go check out campstokitten.com. Of course, we have our articles, the tools, the guides are still there. Of course, there's memberships. Of course, we have the membership. Jared, if you could correct me on the actual name of it, it's $29.99. It's for our DFS and for our props uh, thing. Maybe Ethan remembers the name. All I know is it's a special or a special membership for you if you're trying to do props. You're trying to do, I think it's called Premium Edge or something like that in particular. But that's anyway, that sounds about right. We definitely should check it out. Sorry, Austin. I know you got to listen to this later. But, hey, uh, go check out the membership. It's $29.99. It's one of the best deals you have. You also get access to the NIL Discord, and we have specific In-season channels. In-season edge. In there we go. Edge. In-season edge. That sounds even cooler than premium edge. So I agree. Uh, but you should go check that out only because you get premium articles. So you got Ethan, who's dropping some articles. I believe you did one earlier this week, right? And you have one maybe coming up pretty soon. Yep, dropped one. Uh, one came out today with the uh, prize picks lines that I like, and then tomorrow we should see the uh, DraftKings stacks. So there we go. Every I'm week. all for I'm all for some stacks, and I believe Chris is still dropping his, even though he's back from vacation. He should be uh, putting his in there as well. So you get those. You get premium uh, Discord channels, so then you can ask us specific questions, whether it's props like we're getting ready to talk about, whether it's DFS lineups, uh, whether you just want to tout and say, hey, look what we did, stuff like that, strategies, uh, just general conversation. We have all of those in that type of jet. So definitely worth the $30 that you pay. We're just here to try to make you some money. 
Speaking of money, of course, you can save on the promo code C2C when you go to Price Picks. You get a matching deposit up to $100. I think that is super, super great, especially with this free play that we're going to talk about here pretty soon that Jared's got on the agenda. I think it's a great week, especially with NFL starting up. If you're a fan of NFL, CFB, there's plenty of props. Of course, we like the fantasy ones, but we also look at yards. They even did some cool stuff now. We're adding running and passing yards. What? So we're going to have that as well, but it's a it's a great time to sign up for prize picks. They're getting better and better and the props just keep coming in. And now we're having it throughout the entire season. So go, uh, you know, help us out of the site, but at the same time, help you out, get that matching deposit up to a hundred dollars. Uh, guys, uh, we're in full swing of things here before we get into campus picks. We're in the uh, thick of the college season. Now it's week two. Uh, we got CFF lineups. Now we got NFL fantasy for those that are playing in the campus to Canton league, stuff like that. How are we? Uh, how are we feeling going into week two? How was week one for everybody, real quick? Oh, you know, my team only just went out and beat another ranked team by the greatest margin in the history of CFB for a season opener. It's pretty yep. great. Having a yes. good time. I uh, my team, uh, you know, escapes death every single time they play with no defense whatsoever. No offense to Mr. Tony Grimes or the rest of those guys that might be closer to my state that might somehow randomly listen to this. Uh, but let's hope Josh Downs is feeling okay against a uh, tougher opponent in Georgia State. I don't sleep on those G5 guys. So, uh, Ethan. Did you uh, call Georgia State a tougher opponent than App State? They kind of <laughs> uh, Maybe. <laughs> All I know I, is I'm going to be sweating a lot. All right. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you're scared a little bit there, Brandon. I think you're scared. Any, Although any it is another has... home game for the G5 team. Can we talk about that for a second, though? Sure. The, the, this this, uh, this weird idea that the ACC has given itself where they, like, have to play at G5 stadiums. They have – they're, they're setting themselves up for failure so often because it's, it's never any of their better teams that are typically doing this. It's always, like, their middle teams that can, when they're caught napping early in the season, can get taken down by some of these better – G5 teams, especially if we don't see it coming. Like East Carolina almost took out NC State last week. NC State's supposed to be a really good team for the ACC this year, and they almost blew it week one. Yeah, I I personally love it, though. I, you know, the home and home, I think, is just like a great college football tradition. But, uh, you know, we don't don't see that very often with the Power Five and the G5 schools. Usually they've got to do like a two for one or sometimes just give up the home and home altogether and just do a one off. But, I love it. You get to see some uh, some different stadiums and some some cool student sections. It, it just strikes cool. me like how much more the ACC does it than every other conference. I, I forget who made the graphic, but somebody pointed out just how often they do this and how men, how many times the ACC has lost in those games. So again, yeah. it is hurting the conference. It is. It makes us look pretty weak and not up to par with that uh, freshly squeezed Big Ten conference in the uh, in that SEC, which is the powerhouse, which it is. Ethan, you had uh, quite the scare there as well. Purdue and Chuck Sizzle debuted, and Oof. all was all was crazy. We got saw some Drew Alar. We got to see some of the freshmen. I got to see my boy Nick Singleton a little bit. A little frustrated yeah. there, but I'll let you talk about that. How was the game that you got to watch there? Man, I I love the Thursday night action that, or the Thursday and Friday night action that the Big Ten does with their conference opponents. Each team gets one of those. I hate that we had to go on the road uh, to Purdue. That just sucks. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what was up with uh, with Clifford. They said cramps, and maybe he uh, had had a Lamar Jackson incident and needed to get rid of that <laughs> locker room. But who knows? Uh, all that matters is got the dub, coming home, got a a nice cozy 
Mac Ohio matchup to go go after this weekend. So I'm I'm pleased with it. A dub's a dub. Yep, it looks like uh, Penn State's taking on future CFL star Mr. Uh, Curtis Rourke, taking after his brother Nathan. Those uh, Canadian guys, they know how to run and pass uh, when the timing is right. Uh, speaking of, let's look at some of that because there might be some of these props that we need to talk about. Of course, we are talking about campus picks, of course, bringing it to you as well. And this is presented by Prize Picks. I've got the slate up here for you as well. And uh, we got some good ones. So I want to start off with Ethan because you chose the four play. I want to see. Get it for play. Anyway, I wanted you to see. <laughs> it's a family-friendly <laughs> podcast, Brandon. It wasn't <laughs> last. It wasn't last week when Mr. Lob was dropping bombs on us. Uh, I had to put <laughs> explicit on there. Today is a fun show. Uh, I will be able to put the non-e on there unless you guys decide to go on a rant. Then I, we'll, then we'll know, figure it out. I I said that, Brandon. But literally earlier, we were talking about like the name, like the, the rhyming names for each of the each of the ones. Is like yeah. five, five. I'm feeling alive. Uh, week six. Suck my picks. <laughs> actually that'll have been great i don't know if it's gonna get taken down, down but i'm probably gonna not gonna fly but like I'm, if anything i'm giving it to chris to put in his title to see if, if dwight just is like no man just no <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go from there but hey chris i gave you an idea uh you'll listen to this eventually so there there you go for week six buddy all right let's let's talk about the four uh selections that ethan chose here as well i'm digging I don't want you to talk about our boy John Reese Plummy, who dropped a 40 burger on us last week, which was delicious. Uh, he's going to be as Louisville, which is easily a team that you can pass on. Uh, tell me about Plumley and the other choices, because it looks like we do have an Ohio connection going into this week as well. We do. We do. So uh, Plumley jumped out. You know, uh, the game that Garrett Schrader had uh, against Louisville uh, last week um, really just primed the, the cannons for, for this week. You know, I think uh, Plumlee is going to be a mainstay in that Central Florida offense. I am very transparent in that I don't love Plumlee. Uh, he was not a guy that I uh, wanted to go after. I think Mikey Keene is a better quarterback, and that's saying something. Um, that being said, John Reese Plumlee is a Gus Malzahn quarterback, and he will get the run, and he will, and you know, he'll he'll take some deep shots to Javon Baker. Maybe Ryan O'Keefe gets in there this weekend. Um, I went with the rushing yard prop instead of the passing yard or the pass and rush prop, um, just because I think there's less risk in that. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think there's much risk of Louisville really getting after Plumlee. Um, and if there are, I think that's just going to set up the draw and, and, uh, some designed runs for him. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of his outlook uh, moving into Friday night. Uh, on my next one here, I do have C.A. Bangura, uh, the running back from uh, Ohio. He is going up against my Nittany Lions this week. And I don't think that people realize how vulnerable Penn State is up the middle and up front this year. Um, last year, they were not great. If you remember the... I mean, who could forget the Illinois game uh, where we went to eight pseudo overtimes with those two-point conversions? Um, we got run over by uh, by Chase Brown and uh, Josh McCray. So um, that was a trend that really started to go downhill uh, towards the end of last season. Uh, Penn State ranked 70th in the nation against the run, um, and they lose a lot of talent up front and in the middle this year. Um, our linebacker core is not as deep as it was. 
Um, the strength of that offense really is the corners in the secondary uh, being able to lock down and play man coverage. Uh, I don't think that Ohio is going to be a problem per se, uh, but I think 60 and a half yards is more than doable for Bangura uh, going into this weekend. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets close to that 100-yard game. Um, just because of the rate at which they're running, O'Shawn Allison no longer um, healthy this year. Uh, so he's really got, I believe, Julian Ross is the backup now. Um, and they just, they I think Ross only had a carry in the first week. So I think they're really going to rely on Rourke and uh, Bangura to uh, pound the rock against Penn State. Um, there's, there is a little bit of hesitation, you know, with game script and everything like that. Uh, but you know, if you're having success running the ball early, you can easily rack up that yardage uh, to start off the game with a quick start. Uh, I'm taking advantage of the pass and rushing yard uh, prop that yeah. Prize Picks is dropping here. Uh, they have Anthony Richardson, uh, 273.5. Um, against Utah, he had 274 passing and rushing yards combined. So I don't think that's a coincidence. I think, you know, Prize Picks is taking that previous performance and saying, hey, is he going to do better? So ultimately it comes down to whether or not you think Kentucky is a better defense than Utah. And I don't believe they are. I think Utah, uh, you know, they do have some inexperience uh, in uh, at the linebacking uh, position last week. I think that showed with Richardson being able to break contain, uh, stretch some big plays to go for, for uh, further uh, yardage. Um, but I also think that Kentucky is a team that is going to be able to, um, you know, keep it close. I think Will Levis and, and company are going to be able to score some points on the other side. Uh, and Billy Napier at this point, I don't think he is uh, – I, I think he's smart enough to know that he needs to rely on the most talented guy on that team. Um, and while Montreal Johnson looked decent last week, uh, I, I think Richardson is going to be the primary uh, motor to that offense moving forward this year. So really like the 273 and a half over. Uh, and then my last one here uh, for the power four, uh, I've got A.T. Perry uh, over 19 fantasy points. I know our week zero breakdown, we saw Josh Downs with that 19 number and we talked about you know, how that kind of feels like Walmart pricing where you think it's a good deal because it's just under, it's not quite 20. Uh, and sometimes that feels a little uneasy. Uh, I am a full go with this as long as Sam Hartman is starting. Um, you know, he's been medically cleared. I don't know. I haven't seen officially that he's starting for sure. I assume he is having that, that medical uh, clear and the fact that, you know, he's a veteran. He he doesn't need fall camp to get ready, um, but there is just a little uneasiness always in college football. Uh, make sure to watch those uh, warm-ups um, and make sure he's in there. Last year with Sam Hartman at the helm, A.T. Perry scored on average just over 20 points per game. Um, so I'm, I'm wheels up on this one. I think this is an above average uh, situation for uh, Wake Forest against Vanderbilt. Um, this is a Vanderbilt team that has been able to score points this year. Um, granted, they haven't played great competition, but granted, Wake isn't that great of a defense. So um, I am all in on Wake Forest offense this week. I think it is, uh, it is a full go. Um, hopefully, we get Vanderbilt scoring some points, getting a little bit of a shootout going on there. Uh, even if it's not a true shootout, if they're able to score, you know, 
two two touchdowns, two field goals, something like that. Get get 18, 20 points on the board. I think that's plenty to keep A.T. Perry in the game to the full, full game and to keep Wake uh, on their toes and throwing the ball. So those are my four. I feel pretty pretty good about those. I have some other ones in that article that posted today if you were an NIL member. Yes, definitely go check those out. There's going to be a, uh, a same narrative as we go into our DFS segment on this particular game of Wake Forest versus Vanderbilt. Uh, I think uh, the line, I think, Jared, you talked about it on the CTN where the line actually has moved up because I think it's all but certain that Sam is starting, and that does mean yeah. wheels up for AT, for uh, for Green, and the rest of the guys there. Um, I, I just see more production, and I see a bigger shootout, and we'll, that's going to kind of play out as we go as well. Uh, let me tie in with the, with the Bangor one. Curtis Warwick is, uh, is a great running quarterback, so I think he's still going to put up some uh, production against Penn State. However, I'm kind of with you, Ethan. I think the narrative kind of moves it to where Penn State maybe gets a scare in the first little bit, realizes they must adjust, then they'll adjust like they did against Purdue and kind of pull away this time as well. So Curtis Warwick, the difference between him and his brother, his brother was very CFF relevant because he was pass happy and he would get both you know running and passing, so he's very much a dual threat. Curtis tries to be like that, but a lot of times he fails in the passing department. So I think he's climbing and getting better. He's definitely shown some improvements since last season for sure. But I think he's going to rely more on his run versus his pass capability. And I do think that uh, Penn State has a good secondary, especially their corner, that's probably going to get drafted fairly high. Um, so I still think that as far as the pass, he's probably not going to be willing to kind of bomb it out because of what the interceptions could play. So I think he does go less than his 20 fantasy points to go along with it. I do think Bangor is going to kind of be the star of that particular uh, uh, matchup. And we are not talking about Ohio State. We are talking about the Ohio Bobcats, our, one of our favorite Max uh, teams that we get to enjoy as well. The other one I want to bring up is Mr. Kobe Prentice. Of course, it makes nothing happy than seeing a freshman on the field and doing very well, especially in season openers. However, they do play Texas. Uh, Texas's uh, defense, will say, has gotten maybe a tad better about tackling, but not a whole lot. And I think you'll see uh, some of this uh, kind of unfold. I think this is the Jermaine Burton show. Uh, I think this is where he breaks up more. We're going to see probably a lot more of Gibbs, a lot more McKellen. I think we're going to get a lot more just passing in general. And though Kobe Prentice had 11 fantasy points in his debut, which I think was great, Texas is a little bit more of a difficult um, opponent. And this is a, you know, a marquee matchup at 12 noon, so it's you know a high noon matchup. 90 degrees, you know, it's going to be, you know, one of those ones where all eyes are going to be on this game. I think Kobe Prentice does fall short of the 14 fantasy points. I think they just tacked on three points to what he got last week because this is what prize picks does. Uh, but it's a perfect opportunity for him to come down a little bit, maybe get around nine or 10 fantasy points again, but I don't see him kind of going over the 14 fantasy points. So for me, I'm personally taking the less. And I want to move over to Jared because he's got a guy over in Texas that we need to talk about and his two picks as well. So take it away for me, buddy. Uh, before I go into mine, do you mind if I comment on y'all's? Absolutely, go for it. Yeah. Uh, like the Plumley pick, like the Richardson pick. I am not entirely sold on the Perry pick, but it's a fun one, so I'll allow it. Um, I really like your Kobe Prentice pick there, Brandon. He's being given the wide receiver two treatment by prize picks. Is there's not a line on Trayshawn Holden? So they're treating Prentice like the wide receiver two, which is a mistake. I absolutely love under 14 fantasy points for Kobe Prentice there. The one I truly disagree with is Ethan. I'm sorry, but uh, Seiya Bangura at Ohio. I think you're underestimating two things. One, you mentioned already the game script is going to be not in Bangura's favor here. I think you're very much also underestimating the gap between Ohio and Penn State. I agree with you. 
Penn State's D-line has some suspect nature to it. But I'm going to borrow some terminology here from Josh Pay because he's a very smart human being. He has some great analysis here. Every team has a freeze point of which they are going to – you have to have a certain amount of talent in order to be able to take advantage of a team's certain weakness. The gap between the Big Ten and the MAC, just in general – is already a pretty big gap. Adding the fact that Ohio, as good as their offensive line is for for the MAC, Ohio's still not that great of a team. They are going to struggle even up against a D-line that is going to be taken advantage by teams like Illinois down the line. Even though Illinois is not a great team, Ohio is still worse than that. I don't think they're going to be able to put up 60 yards with Bangura. I would sit Bangura in any format that I'm in. I actually legitimately thought about adding the under on this earlier to one of my flex plays because I was so convinced that I'm like, okay, yeah, 60 yards is way too much here. I don't see them being able to run like that on Penn State. So that's the one I kind of disagree with. I I welcome that, especially, you know, being a Penn State fan. I, I would love nothing more than to see that. The big thing that I think as far as game script and why I'm not afraid of game script is because Penn State early in the year, especially coming off of a, a primetime matchup against Purdue, um, there is definitely a letdown uh, feeling going into an 11 a.m. kick uh, or a, a noon kick um, Eastern uh, with a Mac school. Um, I think on top of that, I think Penn State is really going to try and establish the run. Um, and I think that we've seen in the past when Penn State fails to establish the run in the first half, they don't score points. They they just aren't able to do it because they they are so committed to getting that that run game established that they they aren't focused on being a productive offense. Um, they can move the ball. They I I really think you know I'll I'll get into uh, Parker Washington a little bit later here because uh, I know that he he was disappointing last week. Um, but when they focus on trying to set up their their run game or when they try and uh, you know outthink the opponent and try and do something outside of the natural flow of the game they get choppy and James Franklin's offense is sputter um, so I'm not too worried about game script I I mean the talent the talent gap is absolutely spot on it's it is what it is uh, but that being said with the way that Penn State played against the run last year I I think that there's a good opportunity for Bangura. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how yep. it goes. Um, Agree or disagree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, that, that line is interesting. Um, the 60 and a half, it's, it's not, it's not a huge game, but it's, it's definitely towards the top of the projection for sure. No, I don't, de- I definitely get it. All right. Let's talk about my picks now. I'm going to throw in the free play here with Tom Brady. I asked Brandon before I came onto the show, I'm like, is this allowed? And he's like, yes, you're going to put it in your lineups. Yes. So you're going to allow it here. He's a former uh, me, Michigan quarterback, so it counts. Let me <laughs> let me just give some advice whenever Prize Picks hands out these free spaces. Guys, I know the temptation is to throw it into a, like a five-play or four-play flex and try to just get that little bit of extra money to go along with that. That is going to lead to waste. Because that is going to lead you, because those, again, those four plays and three plays that those become already are just hard enough to hit on their own. And then you're going to feel like you wasted it. What I have done, and I've done this every time that Price Picks has handed this out, I have taken 
whatever money they allow, whether it's $50 max, $25 max, I split that up into many, many different lineups. And almost always they're going to be a two play. They're going to be a two play power play. And I just throw it with my favorite lines from other CFB games of the week. That way we know we're going to get the free space unless Tom Brady somehow gets hurt, in which case we're all screwed. Um, but then you throw it with your other favorite lines. All your favorite lines aren't going to hit, but all you need is one out of every three of your favorite lines to hit and you at least break even. And then if it's your favorite picks and you're good at what you're doing, you're going to make plenty of money just based on those picks. So that's my spiel on the free spaces. I'm throwing it in here. And I got two more picks I want to throw out here. Bryce Ford Wheaton currently has a reception over under of five receptions. This was a man that was targeted 16 times. I repeat, 16 times last week against Pittsburgh. Now, part of that was game script. I do not expect him to be targeted 16 times again in this game because they're playing Kansas. They're going to be ahead. They're not going to be throwing the ball as much. But even still, let's say we reduce that to 75%. That's still 12 targets. If Bryce Ford Wheaton gets 12 targets and catches less than five of them, that is just a terrible, terrible beat for you. The process is sound here. He's going to get double-digit targets in this game. He is going to catch, I would hope, at least half of them, and that clears that five receptions very easily. So that's one of my favorite plays here. The other one, Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. Big surprise last week in the fact that he was the second or the the second highest uh, target getter. I, I'm phraseology. My goodness. Anyway, he got the second most targets on the team last week, only behind the ever spectacular Xavier Worthy. He had six targets, caught all six of them. I don't know if that's something we can expect week in and week out. I love Sanders. Don't get me wrong. I have been telling people all see all offseason, if you're going to go after a Texas tight end, go after Sanders. Don't go after Jaleel Billingsley. With Billingsley out for the season with a suspension, I feel very good about that. And with his great week one, that was good. But he is not going up against ULL and Monroe anymore. He is going up against Alabama. He is, I don't think, going to get nearly the number of targets that he got this past week. I don't think he sees the end zone and I don't think he sees 80 yards. He's going to need most of that in order to hit this 14 fantasy points, which is already a pretty high total for a tight end. I am feeling pretty comfortable with Jatavian Sanders being on the under here, 14 fantasy points. Yeah. I'm, I'm with the same sentiment that I think price fix just kind of same thing. Took a look at last week. It was like, all right, Sanders is doing his thing at Texas. Let's give him just a little bit longer not knowing, or I guess they did know that they have Bama there written down, but I guess they don't take into the effect that Alabama is going to shut that down before even it has a chance. So. Yeah, I could, I could see him That's getting crazy. six targets again this week. I could see him yeah, getting for the sure. second most targets on the team this week. So let's put that up to seven. He's not going to catch all seven like he did last week. No. All right? like That's that's part of what made him great last week is that he caught every opportunity thrown his way, and he made the mm-hmm. most of it. I don't think that's going to happen again this week. Bama's defense is just way too good. Yep, absolutely. So as you can see from all of these, that you had a three-play, a four, and a two-play. So you're noticing that you're not seeing a lot of fives from us much anymore, and that's with the same sentiment. Hey, you can hit. Me and Jared have done it before, but I've only did it, like we were saying in in the episode one podcast, like I only did it twice the entire years. It's much more easier, even what Jared said, throw Tom Brady in and maybe throw Kobe Prentice or maybe you throw Sanders under and you throw Rourke or whatever. These two plays, and if you move up your 
you know, the percentage of money that you have, you're more likely to double up on that a lot more. So I definitely I, agree with that. Can I throw out all the different lines that I threw him with? Sure. Is that something I can do? Yeah give, me, yeah, give us a few. Uh, I went Malik Cunningham over 19 fantasy points. I believe this moved up to 21 and a half. I still like the over there. Bryce Ford Wheaton mentioned there. I paired him with it. Jatavian Sanders under 14 fantasy points. I went under uh, Jordan Porter, wide receiver out of New Mexico. They're going up against a very good Boise State defense. Under four and a half receptions for him. And then I also paired him with Stephon Cobbs over 57 and a half yards. He's going to have a much better week this week. That is a... I like all of those, and I think that's going to be some good money for you there. Absolutely. All right, guys, any more thoughts on price picks before we move into uh, segment two? I think we did. I think we did really good with that one as well. All right. So we're doing a special uh, uh, segment called Learning the Ropes. So Jared is our CFF uh, guru, and uh, he's our you know a fearless leader. But at the same time, we want to teach him up when it comes to CFB DFS. So uh, we had a lot of people asking us about things like, hey, uh, how would you start playing DFS and things like that in particular. So guys that are listening like Sal and a few others that are playing for the first time like Mitch and other ones that are been, you know, guys that played CFF, played C2C and things like that, but they're just now getting the start there in, in uh, CFB and DFS and just playing uh, – you know, we're having our free stuff, the C2C uh, contest that we have for the home field gift card and stuff like that. So it's another good option as well. But Jared is brand new to the DFS world and he's got good questions. And we wanted to use this segment as an opportunity for him to ask those. And then me and Ethan kind of help him out there. And then we kind of, you know, teach you guys in the process. And then if any have general questions or anything like that or anything we want to wrap up, we'll we'll add that as well. So Jared had four to start, and but if we have any more, he's more than welcome to hit us with any more that he's got. But uh, we wanted to start it, and we call this learning the ropes. So, Jared, I'm gonna let you take it away, man. Yeah, I'm a, I love CFF. I'm an absolute baby, like just straight up newborn for DFS in college fantasy. Like I have heard a lot of people talk about it, and I've heard you guys talk about it in the Slack and everything. I pick up things here and there about how it works. I will. To start this segment, I will give a brief description over what I do know about college DFS or just DFS in general, how it works for people. You guys can correct me at any given time during it, but I just want to give people a basis of what I know because maybe this is a lot of information that some people may already know. Maybe they don't. Anyway, so DFS stands for Daily Fantasy Sports. I, I figured that part out. Um, it basically is where you set a lineup that is going to compete against everybody else's lineup. It is not one person gets one player. It is everybody has access to every player. And the way that they make that fair to where you don't just grab all the top players is that every player has a certain value associated with them. And you as a team are given a budget to work with in terms of setting your lineup. And you are setting just a starting lineup. And I believe it depends on the service, but oftentimes it'll be one QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, and then a flex, maybe a super flex. And that's all you're setting for your lineup. And then from there, the game, the slate will play out. Again, these are typically divided into like maybe a noon slate, afternoon slate, evening slate, if I remember correctly. some Maybe it's just two slates in one day. I can't remember off the top of my head. But everybody's roster, and this is like a giant pool. This is like, this isn't just like you versus like four or five other people. These are like tens of people that you are facing against, if not hundreds of people that you're facing against. And then if you hit a certain percentage threshold, I believe, 
you can earn back a certain amount of money and then it gets higher and higher the higher percentage that you are. So like if you are like in the top like 5%, you or you're like if you're the top guy, you get the top prize, but then if you're in like the top 5%, you get a certain like a smaller prize, top 10%, you might get your money back and then the the rest is just sitting there wondering like where did my money go? So that's yeah. basically what I know about DFS. Did I cover everything kind of correctly there? Any corrections you guys want to make on me? So the first thing that I would say is that you perfectly nailed what a GPP or a tournament is for okay. daily fans. That, that is the part where I, I knew there was multiple types of plays. So I didn't know yes. which one I was most familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the tournament setting or the, um, you know, the big... Uh, draw that most sites have is a they, they, it's a gpp a guaranteed prize pool um which means that they're trying to fill um you know all the seats that they have um in this this contest uh and the standard lineup uh format is what you described there as well you know okay. usually it's a it's a quarterback and a super flex with two running backs three wide receivers and then a flex play that's what it is on um on DraftKings, on FanDuel, they get rid of one of the receiver spots, I believe. Um, and so it's 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 a little bit different. Um, the nuances between those sites is that, you know, usually it's, uh, it's going to be different salary pricing. So players are going to be uh, a different price on each of those. They may have a different game or two uh, added to the slate. Usually FanDuel doesn't have as many slates on the day. Um, so they will typically their their primary slate is going to be um, all encompassing from noon kickoff to you know six o'clock kickoff, uh, and then on DraftKings they they break it down quite a bit more. They have a few more slates. Um, well, they'll they'll basically have one major slate at every uh, kick time. So gotcha. um, very very uh, on the nose though with the uh, the breakdown. Yes. Uh, so I guess that leads me to this isn't a question I had here because you did touched one of my questions. I did ask what are the major differences between DraftKings and FanDuel. You kind of touched on that there. I know there's other things like one of them's PPR, one of them's not, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'll add. Uh, so DK has, like you said, eight spots. It's one point PPR, so it's just like a full PPR league, right? You do get that extra wide receiver position. DK, or excuse me, FanDuel has seven spots. They did remove one of their wide receiver spots. It's half point PPR. Okay. Uh, and then the other difference is, and I, I believe it's, you get more to spin on FanDuel as far as overall. However, their pricing is a lot more, I would say, fair or more, just versus DK, where sometimes they misinterpret or they misprice, even though you only have 50K. So you get a little bit less, but sometimes the pricing is really good and you can find some diamonds in the rough on DK. So that does set you apart a little bit. No, yeah. I, and I uh, FanDuel also does not have any bonuses through going over 300 like passing does, yards yeah. or 100 uh, rushing or receiving yards. DraftKings does have that bonus. Um, okay. Brandon, I don't know if you want to get into the difference between a GPP and then a cash game. That was going to be my next question. Was like cool. you, you okay. mentioned, that I nailed one of the formats. What is this other this other cash game? Sure, I'll I'll do cash and I'll let uh, Ethan kind of do GPP. Although nowadays I'm playing a lot more GPP, especially with these guys. So they uh, threw me into the deep end. So now I play a lot more of that, and I've been doing really good. And we'll discuss after he talks about GPP why it's important to separate, especially when you're playing stuff like a night slate or a late night slate, because it benefits, especially guys like you, Jared, where you know San Jose's top 
state's like top three wide receivers, you know how to stack them with you know with their top you know quarterback. A lot of people that you're playing against the nighttime, they don't play as much, so you have a lower amount of opponents that you play. So and you got a better shot. Plus your knowledge is going to help you, especially if you know the deep plays, uh, especially late. So a guy like a Braddock at San Jose State could help you essentially win a tournament or at least get your money back, basically, which is pretty cool. But so catch play is where. Uh, there's ones where you could play one where you say if you put like five bucks, they have a double up where you if you're in the top, say if you're playing against 10 people, as long as you're in the top five, you're going to double your money. So instead of five okay. bucks, you're going to get ten dollars. Uh, they have triple ups, quadruple ups, which is just means you have to make it into a certain ranking of those. And you're going to either double, triple or quadruple the amount that you put in. Okay. So it's a good way. Uh, and the way that me and Ethan and Chris think about cash play is it's like. And we call it being chalk, which means knowing what you already know. So say like, you know, Jermaine Burton's going to smash on Texas, right? So you're going to probably want to play Jermaine Burton, probably throw in a Jameer Gibbs and probably put in Bryce Young. Whereas in a GPP, a lot of people might be wanting to play the same thing. You're, you want to be what we call contrarian or being different and being able to have a different lineup that's going to set you apart from the thousands of people that you play versus in cash. You're maybe playing like maybe it's a thousand, maybe it's 500, you know, things like that. But you're just trying to make sure that you break even or get your money, basically. So you, you play the guys that you know. So just like you play you play your studs in CFF, cash is a lot like that, if, it, if I'm explaining it the right way. Ethan, you can add some more to it and then kind of go into GPP versus uh, cash. Yeah, so cash games, um, you know, the the 50-50s or the, uh, the double ups um, are pretty much the primary way that most people play cash games. Um, they're called cash games because they're a great way to increase your cash and increase your bankroll. Uh, it's definitely slower and more incremental. Um, but you know, you have that, those odds in favor, uh, with the tournament plays or the GPPs, you know, with the, the payout, it's very, uh, funneled, um, the top 10 make probably 90% of the cash that that's paid out. It's, it's very skewed. Um, Another thing with cash games, uh, there are also head-to-head matchups uh, with cash games where you can just play one person. If you and your friends want to go and do a head-to-head, you say, hey, I think I can beat you this week. Uh, you can set up a, a head-to-head matchup. You can get so one of your friends. And, yeah. Is, is that what you guys did with Campus Again one last week? Is that what that was? Was that a cash game or is that a GPP that was a much smaller scale? Technically, has it up to 100, GPP. so yeah. Yeah. GPP would be one that's guaranteed by the the provider. Okay. Um, So technically that one wouldn't have been provided by DraftKings. That was one that that, uh, Campus Camp put on. And I would, I am, I did approach it very similar to a cash game lineup. Okay. Gotcha. Um, You know, any small field uh, uh, contest, um, chalk and the, uh, the people who you expect most people to play, it's typically the way to go because that decreases the number of variables that you have to overcome week to week. So if you have a cash game lineup and you have a a very chalky lineup where you have, say you've got, it's a five person contest and you know, a hundred percent, every, every single person has three of the players. That means you have narrowed the obstacles that you have to overcome to be able to, to, to win. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's the main thing there. As far as uh, our our big tournaments and our, our GPPs, um, the big difference there is always just going to be ownership. 
uh, you care tremendously about ownership. Um, for example, at uh, the very beginning of each slate, when all of your players are zero and you get that first, uh, that first kickoff, uh, say the first player to score a touchdown on that slate is Josh Downs against Appalachian State. And he comes in, you know, 30% owned. So with that, you now move into the upper 30th percentile. Okay. Uh, but if the first person to score a touchdown on that slate is actually... Kobe um, Pesor, I like 2%. Yep. Exactly. 2% owned Kobe Pesor. New All of a sudden, top. you're in this top 2 percentile. Gotcha. Um, and so that's, that's the advantage, and that's the way... Uh, any GPP contests are kind of approached. Um, the big advantage is always going to be ownership uh, and being able to predict that ownership accurately is a massive edge for sure. I was wondering about that because I remember you guys talk about ownership all the time in the Slack and I, I figured out that's a pretty big thing. I, pre I figured out that you want to go for guys who are lower owned that you think are going to hit big. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're drafting before the season like you're going for guys later in your drafts that are very cheap but have the potential to hit really really big so i think it's yeah. I, I feel like that's a an apt comparison yeah for it's sure like, and yeah go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, i was gonna say it's kind of like your depth chart like you want to look for like wide receiver two or three or running back so a good example instead of going to Xavier uh validate you wanted to move maybe to and and hope that he gets you a decent amount of points because he's going to be lower owned because people are going to look at validate and be like well he's obviously the starting running back he's got a favorable matchup he's got a little green uh number beside it that says hey he's got a very good matchup well you know thinking outside the box like i'll probably take and because he still will have play and he might break off one and actually have just as much points as validate if not more and he's lower percentage so that's kind of the mindset you got to have is like remembering those depths of rosters that we looked at all off season and yeah. looking at guys that we know is going to have touches you're looking for touch hogs but you're looking for ones that are not normally talked about and that's the ones that'll kind of pay you dividends and also just thinking differently of not looking at the main matchup so a lot of people will want to play bama versus texas uh for last week i played appalachian state against my own team knowing <laughs> the defense and knowing i was in for a heart attack but at the same time it did move me up into the top 10 percent, and i was able to hit you know a pretty decent amount of money i made all my money back that i lost earlier uh, you know last week and stuff like that now you know i've maybe between all three weeks i've only lost five bucks out of the entire thing so i've been able to keep most of my bankroll uh because of appalachian state playing a different game from the ones that are outside or you know the ones that are televised you're looking for those ones that are on the acc network or the you know the smaller networks or those U stadium ones and things like that it's kind of the ones you want to like look at when you're going up against these gpps yeah no that makes a lot of sense and um I guess that kind of leads into my next question because you talk about your bankroll here. What kind of pay-ins and payouts are we looking at in these? Again, you guys mentioned the cash games. That makes sense. You put in your money, you double up whatever you put in, that kind of stuff. I like prize picks and I like prop picks because I can control exactly how much money I put on it because some people are, one, very good at prop picks and two, have a lot of money that they can use. So they can put down a hundred bucks on a bigger play. They could put down bigger money like that. I am not that kind of person because I'm a broke college student who just had to pay for a new engine. So I don't have that kind of money. And so I, I like that. I can control that amount with FanDuel and DraftKings, especially these GPP tournaments. I have to imagine that part of it is 
that everybody has to chip in the exact same amount. Is that the case? Or is it that you can't control how much you put into any given contest? That's that's pretty interesting because the way that these sites do it, to an extent, yes, you you have to you have to pay the same price for your entry. But what they do is you can enter multiple times in some tournaments. Okay. So especially in big GPPs, you have the ability to enter um, you know, 20, 50, 75 times. Um, they, they are capped at something. Uh, the, I know, uh, DraftKings has, a, has a contest that Chris and I love the mini max, uh, that lets you do 150, uh, lineups max. Um, and so you can, you can spend $75 and you can put, you can so 50, that. 50 cents per lineup then. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you, you could, you could go ahead, you could spend $75 and, and max those lineups, <laughs> or you could spend 50 cents and you have one uh, bullet essentially to try and, and, and win that, that tournament. Um, both sites do a very good job on um, both in cash games and in uh, GPPs of spreading the, uh, the buy-in or the, the entry cost um, uh, to a huge variance. Uh, so I know DraftKings has dime time tournaments where, you know, it's just 10 cent entry um, where you can maybe win $10 if you come in first in that, in that contest. Gotcha. Um, they also have quarter arcades. They've got uh, dollar lineups and all the way up to, you know, I think they, they've got like the $330 or $333. Uh, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's it's their bigger tournament with the uh, the high rollers that, that go on. Gotcha. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, the difference. And that really leads into um, a big uh, concept too with single entry uh, tournaments. Which is my um, favorite, yeah. Yeah, and, and those are definitely the ones that, uh, you know, if you've got a smaller amount that you're willing to put in, I would definitely be looking for the single entries um, because you're not going to run into guys who are smashing uh, and max entering with optimizer lineups. Gotcha. Um, you're going to find a lot more hand-built lineups. You're going to find a lot more chalky lineups. Um, and knowing what we know about ownership, that it, it gives you a great edge to be able to play a little contrarian and, and come out on top uh, with a single entry. So real quick then with those, with, with the mini max you were talking about where you can possibly set 150 different lineups, do you have to painstakingly go through and set all 150 of those? Or is there like some kind of tool that lets you on those sites to be like, all right, I want in 25% of my lineups, I want, this receiver because i hear you guys talk about that in the slide where you're like oh i have like i have brian cobbs in 30 percent of my lineups this week yeah. that's what my optimizer told me to do so like mm -hmm. is there a yeah, way that so, you do that okay go ahead so so with optimizers optimizers are always going to be third party uh they're not going to be uh managed by DraftKings or fanduel um of and it's kind of a yes and no uh a while back they did have a way that you could auto enter all of the lineups that have been spit out in an Excel sheet from your optimizer. And you did not have to do anything manually. Okay. Um, that was in kind of the wild west of uh, DFS days though, gotcha. uh, when things were kind of new, they said, hey, that's not necessarily fair to the people who are single hand building lineups and entering yeah. one at a time. So what they do is they do now allow you to go in and import your Excel sheet with your 150 lineups but they only import to your my lineups page. They are not entered into any contests. Okay. To be able to do that, you can 
go ahead and you can enter those lineups um, manually or what you can do usually when you click on a, a contest it will give you the option to enter all lineups or max enter my first 150 lineups um, so it does give you that option but once those are in there you have no way other than the uh, mass swap tool to really make any last second changes gotcha um, so they they have a swap tool um, but say you know you have a little bit more money left over in some of these lineups than you do in others uh, where you you don't have any extra money that means that you need to swap them out with a player who is either equal salary or less um, it doesn't let you mass change anything without changing all of them gotcha. so there's a trade-off there for sure um, and there's definitely a little bit of a learning curve with entering optimizer lineups um, but you know I, I do do some work for uh, fantasy cruncher and I, I got a plug you know that uh, that optimizer <laughs> that they have on fantasy cruncher is it's the tops so I, I really recommend it if if you're interested in checking out optimizers if anyone out there is interested in that um, I know they've got some promotions going uh, where, where you can check that out and give it a try yeah, yeah, I think it's sense. a it's a good concept. Uh, me personally, I am a I am a hand builder. I am a guy that I'll go after the single entries. I want you to put up your best lineup versus my best lineup, and you know, may the best man win the you know the money. Uh, for me, it's just something about, and that's another thing with the optimizer. You have all these lineups. For me, I have a certain price point. I look for a certain contests, whether it's a dollar, five dollars. I usually have like a budget that I set myself to. But I also am very confident in the ones that I do build that I'm probably at least going to get my money back if not anything make a profit so that's the ones that i kind of go for uh, and then there's strategy we can talk about you know the different slates and stuff like that i know you have one of those questions coming up soon so but for me uh swapping out people so uh well example downs wasn't available last week against app state i was able to pull him out of one real quick on a cash lineup put another guy in that i had you know thinking about anyway in the same price point and boom i was done where i'm sure you know, poor Ethan and Chris, they're probably scrambling. Uh, I don't know how many lineups they had, but I'm sure they had quite a few where they had to go in there and purposely go to the mass thing and kind of do that. And that takes up a little bit more time, especially when you're about 30 minutes away from a 12 noon kickoff. So that can get kind of yeah. sweaty real yeah. quick. So that's where me, I like the hand building. However, I do promote the optimizer because uh, if anything, at least you're getting good ownage percentage. And that's something mm -hmm. that we talked about where you're looking at who might be able to hit. And that's where, uh, you know, we'll see in the DFS slack and stuff like that. But between the three of us, me and uh, Ethan and Chris, we do have really good conversations as far as like the optimizer versus our initial thoughts and kind of gauge that per that ownage type stuff. So I don't I don't say that optimizer isn't bad. It's just personally, I'm more of a hand builder. I know Ethan's yeah, a little yeah. bit of both. And Chris is very much into yeah. like his projections and stuff like that. So he does rely on the optimizer yeah. quite a bit. Prior to this season, I did not use an optimizer. Um, I was all team hand built. Um, and it's a different monster. It, it really comes down to you need to trust your projections with the optimizer um, because that's that's how they're calculating everything. If your projections are a little bit off, it's going to really skew ownership that you get. Um, so it's definitely nuanced. The, the hand build is more of a feel while the optimizer kind of, you know, it, it gets a little more scientific. So it's a trade-off. Yeah. It makes sense. It's, a, it's one of those things where if you hit 56% of the time with the optimizer, it's going to suck the 44% of the time that you don't hit, but you have to keep trusting it in order to hit that 56% because the moment you come off of it, then your odds start changing and then you can get yourself into trouble. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All right. I know we're going long brain on this segment, so I'll, I'll try okay. to get these next questions real quick. Um, anyway, 
in terms of the budget for these DFS, I guess it depends on the contest and everything, but like how much are you given to work with in terms of these budgets? And is there a strategy towards spending as much or as little as you can from that budget? I know you said that the big thing is the ownership, but is there like, do you feel a little bit better about yourself when you still have a lot of money left over? Or do you feel a little bit better about yourself when you use every bit that you can? What do you think? So uh, I'll start with, uh, once again, DK gives you 50,000 or 50K as far as money to work with. FanDuel gives you 60K, um, but also their pricing is quite higher. And we'll see this in the next segment, you know, when we go over some of the lineups and stuff like that. Um, I'll say that for me, uh, I used to really freak out if I had like over like 5K, like budget or 4K. But for me, it's about knowing one that. For me, it's about, of course, I'm an opportunity guy. I'm a matchup guy. I look for the mismatch. So if I see something like I did last week where I'm like, Chase Bryce, and I think uh, one of his running backs and the wide receivers are probably going to do well against North Carolina, I probably should stack that and, you know, and play them. And, yeah, I left probably like uh, once I put in like uh, say I went for Corm, who's more my chalk play because people know who Blake Corm is at Michigan. But a lot of people forget about Donovan Edwards a lot. So I was able to put Edwards in for a cheaper play, left about 3,000 total my entire lineup, but it didn't. You know, at the same time, I trusted my gut and I was able to hit, you know, my money. So I was able to, you know, definitely move from a dollar to ten dollars. So, you know, I got a nine dollar profit. It was worth it. Right. Uh, And that was a harder slate because it was the main slate in the middle of the day where you're going up against a lot of people at the same time. So uh, for me, I try not to look so much as money. But the pricing, like we talked about earlier, does depend on the player. So if they're very much just like, yeah, Jermaine Burton's going to smash on these guys, he's going to be $9,000 to own, where it's like I might look at Treshawn Holden, who they've forgotten about it, like $5,600, knowing that he's probably the wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver one on most months or most day or days. And then I just take him, you know, and, and yeah, you're leaving like $4,000 on, on the board. But for me, I, I usually will try to find ways to move up to a bigger player. There's a, we'll talk about chalk plays where it's like, you know, Hey, Quentin Johnson's playing Charleston Southern or whatever. And, you know, he's like $8,000, but he's going to destroy someone. So I'm going to move, I'm going to take, you know, Trayshawn Holden at 5,000 so I can pay up to get, uh, Johnson at $8,000. So it's like, it's a give and take, but at the same time, like I don't worry as much as I used to where I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Oh, I'm leaving value on the board where it's really, I'm just, I'm making picks that are lower owned and trying to find myself to be different than everybody else. That's, that's kind of the same thing. I think Ethan kind of elaborate a little bit more on that too. Real quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll keep uh, it pretty, pretty brief with it, but um, for me, it just comes down to uh, how big the slate is. Um, if we've got more than, you know, three or four games, um, I'm probably not going to leave more than a thousand dollars, uh, just personally on, uh, on the bone there. Um, but if we're playing like this Friday, we have a two game slate. I am totally fine with leaving, you know, five, 6,000 on there. If I see an edge, um, it, it really just comes down to that because, you know, like Brandon said, the, if you're leaving salary on there, it's a great way to know that you're going to be contrarian with your lineup. No, that definitely makes sense. And I guess the follow-up question I was going to have here for you, Ethan, because, again, you're working with the optimizers a little bit more. Are the optimizers geared towards spending as much of your budget as they possibly can, or are they yep. just about the pointage? Yeah, so um, Fantasy Cruncher has a nice uh, option where you can designate how much you're willing and how much okay. you're comfortable with. Um, you can set a max salary and you can set a main salary as well. Okay, cool. Um, so if you want to stay within a certain amount, um, that being said, they are all about, like the name suggests, they're all about optimizing the dollars that you're spending. 
So if you've got the projections and you've got a big slate, odds are you are going to be filling your salary most of the time um, within a, within about $500. Um, but, you know, if you if you don't want to do that or if you want to make sure that you've got a contrarian lineup, say it's a small slate, there's four games on there, three games on there, then you can go ahead. You can set that max salary to on DraftKings, say, you know, 48000 instead of the four fifty, and you can, gotcha. you can set it up that way too. Okay, makes sense. Last question here, and this one could be quick because the answer could very well just be what FanDuel and DraftKings had for breakfast that morning. How are the teams determined for the different slates? Because again, college football, any given sl- any given time period, you can have like eight, nine games going on at once. But I look at some of y'all's lineups sometimes, and it feels like even though there's multiple games going on, they only really give you maybe like four or five games to work with. They don't give you every game that's going on. How are these games decided as to which ones they'll let you play with? So uh, I was just say mainly they have like a hard cutoff time, not so much Fandle, like uh, Ethan was saying. Sometimes they'll just crunch it into one full day. That's when it's good to have the multi-entries or like the five set for like three, you know, three picks or whatever. Or sometimes like this week is a free one for those that want to play it. So I think it's sponsored by DiGiorno. You can do up to three lineups and it's absolutely free at, or at Fandle. So why not give it a shot and see if you can win? If anything, you win like 10 cents, 20 cents. Hey, that's more. Than you had with zero when you first started, right? Uh, so you don't have to deposit anything. You might actually work your way up to getting some free bankroll. Why not? Mama, I'm making money. I want 30 cents today. <laughs> there you go. Hey, just like I told one of the guys in the, in the Discord chat, profit is profit. I don't care if it's 50 cents or not, right? 100%. You're above the red. So that's all that matters. Um, but it's usually determined by when they when they play. So you have like the noon slot, and then they have like a hard cutoff for like the afternoon, which is usually 3.30. Um, and then they have a night one, which is a hard cutoff at like 7.00. My, and, of course, my favorite of uh, that late-night Pac-12 uh, match and all that good stuff, the uh, high-octane, the Hawaii versus uh, Western Kentucky matchups at, like, 8 at 10 p.m. or midnight. You have specific, uh, like, super late-night slates to go on as well. So it, that's where you can separate, start separating the teams. Um, like I said, the big slate in the middle of the day is where you have, like, uh, gosh, uh, usually, Ethan, they find, what, the, the bigger games or at least with a few couple of, like, G5 versus yeah. G5 matchups and some FCS thrown in there. They're the bigger yeah. ones. From what I've seen, I mean, my guess is that they have a breakdown of who they think is going to be a higher audience rating. Um, and they, they too, lean yeah. towards those. They lean towards the teams with the bigger uh, fan base, um, which kind of sucks on a big slate if there's a really juicy G5 matchup. I know. SMU was in a few of those last year when I was like, man, I really wish that that, that game yes. would be included on the slate. Yes, they, they don't do it. But uh, especially on those those crowded uh, kick times, and that's that's when you see that. They'll they'll pick some cupcake matchups that really suck for uh, our DFS purposes because we're trying to break down, you know, how many points is Bryce Young going to score in 15 minutes of play. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys very much for this little chat. Because, again, I I hope that I helped out a lot of the listeners who have been very confused over the last couple of weeks in terms of these (laughs) DFS lineups and what the hell you guys have been talking about. So I hope hope I've helped them out. I I hope that even the people that have been playing DFS for a while have learned a little something from what you guys have been describing. I know I've learned a lot tonight. So, again, really appreciate you guys. I guess, Brandon... We can now talk about the actual lineups you guys want to talk about. Maybe I can have enough knowledge now to actually critique them, maybe. 
Yeah, if like, anything, we can use that sweet CFF knowledge that you have, and we can put it to the test. So, boys, let's bank on them. And first, we're going to start with some DraftKings. And so I have my lineup, and I have Ethan's matchup, and I wanted to go and start off with some comparisons. And it looks like we both but, are on the Virginia train. Go ahead, Jerry. Real quick, real quick, Brandon, can you remind me the rules of DraftKings? Sure. So I know the, the difference between this and FanDuel. Absolutely. So you have eight spots to choose from. They give you an extra wide receiver. So you can see on the screen, you have three wide receiver spots. And when you look at FanDuel, when we look at that next, you'll notice there's one less wide receiver spot. The gotcha. difference here is DraftKings is one point PPR. And I believe that they go over, I believe it's what, 100 yards, Ethan, that they get an extra three point bonus, if I'm not mistaken, yep. on DraftKings. Yep. Whereas FanDuel does not. FanDuel is much uh, harder as far as pricing. 5.5 PPR, so it's a lot of those uh, standard leagues that you're accustomed to. It's very much uh, just it's all about the production of the player, whereas DraftKings will reward you for picking uh, a pretty s- smart lineup. So with that said, let's, uh, let's, let's look at some of this stuff as well. I'm noticing that we are definitely on the Armstrong, Armstrong train. I have uh, looks like I have Wicks versus Davis, which I like both options. Um, I think I saw Wicks have the higher amount of targets this past uh, week, so that's why I paid yeah. a little bit more on there as well. But I do like Lavelle Davis. I think he did get the targets. He just didn't pull in the production that we wanted to see in week one, but that don't mean that's not going to happen. So uh, what was your thinking on Armstrong? Because I know I had like similar where I'm looking as a contrarian, just someone that's a high-octane high, high octane offense on a uh, – not so televised, uh, I would say, program. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Armstrong is just way too cheap for this slate. Um, 6,300 is below average for quarterbacks. Um, I know they're playing Illinois, um, and I was actually surprised to see that Illinois, I think it's favored by four points in that game. Um, that seems kind of weird. seems like some, some, some weird Vegas lines. But um, anyway, with I mean, Armstrong's upside is just ridiculous for somebody who's, who's only 6,300. Um, he could easily put up a 30-point game. I mean, you saw uh, last week uh, 36.8 yard, or 36.8 is what he scored on uh, DraftKings. Um, so I, I'm all in with that. Uh, I did see there is quite a discrepancy as far as um, – targets with Wicks and Davis. I think Wicks had 11, if I'm not mistaken, last week, um, while Davis, I believe, had five or six. Um, him and uh, I, uh, Thompson, they uh, they kind of will rotate wide receiver two and three, it looks like. Um, but Davis Davis was able to score a touchdown. You know, he's big at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, something like that, uh, big red zone target. For 3500 I mean, the minimum salary for a uh, wide receiver or a running back is $3,000. Um, so to see him at 3500 uh, just doesn't seem right in my, in my mind. I think that um, he can easily hit value. Um, and to describe what I mean when I say hit value, um, Jared, I'm describing – Usually you want to see your wide receivers and your, I mean, all players, you want to see them hit three or four times the amount of fantasy points as their salary. So we see that Lavelle Davis is 3.5 K on DraftKings. We want to see him hit, you know, 12 or 13 points to consider that. I hit. Okay. So, see that as so take that salary divided by a thousand. And then you want them to hit about three or four times that. Yeah. yeah. So, and like, I mean, you'll, Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, like Nathaniel Dell, for another example, he's at 6,000. You want him to hit that 18, 24 range because yeah. that is three times, three to four times the amount that six would give you. Gotcha. 
Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's gravy at that point, anything over that. So that's kind of what I'm looking at in that, that Virginia game. Um, you know, I think Lavelle Davis, his, his, his uh, pricing is just too low. Wicks. I mean, you can argue too, 11 targets for Wicks, 6,300 is pretty cheap too. Yeah. There's a, you know, a case where someone might want to play a full Virginia versus Illinois game stack. And I think that would be very much legible because of the pricing here where you can get majority of the, uh, the targets, and the quarterback itself to make that happen as well. Uh, I do see that we both have Braylon Allen. I think that's a, a really good one for especially 7,000 against Washington State. That was hard to say no to, even in a flex Absolutely. position or in an RB. It's a good what we call chalk play, which means like we all know what Braylon Allen is capable of. We know he's going to smash, especially against Washington State. That does have a harder time stopping you know, the run game. So I think that was a good spot. We both have Nathaniel Dill. I did decide to pair him up with Clayton Toon. I thought Clayton Toon was an excellent price at 6500 So now you can get, a, you get both quarterbacks for under 13 k which I thought was fantastic. And I think they both can at least double if not triple the, that type of, uh, you know, uh, production. So that's worth having. I think where we differed a little bit, I do love what I see. Uh, you got the Jared Bradley, which is my favorite. I got to start him. I was a guy that played him in week one and he went off. So I'm glad that my gut told me to play him and he did. Uh, I know a lot of people were disappointed in Miles Price, but don't be disappointed in Miles Price. Just give it time. Let, let Texas Tech do Texas Tech things. But I'm saying Jared Bradley is probably the stud outside. So for $5,000, that's kind of like we talked about with Luther Burden last week for only like, what, $5,500. It's just one of those studs. It's like he's going to command a lot of the targets, if not anything. Uh, take the ball to the to the house if he gets a hold of it. So that I love that play as well. Uh, you're Jared Bradley. I went with Mitchell Tensley there. You know, had of course, of course. Uh, Ethan Ethan will say otherwise, and we'll talk about that and maybe another play that he's got. But I assume what I saw, and maybe it was game script a little bit, but it did look like Tensley became more of that Jahan Dotson as the game progressed he does wear the number five so it did look promising uh <laughs> at the same time he is the roommate of said uh mr clifford so uh i do see those comparisons this kind of juicy details you pay attention to but it did look like when stafford was or excuse me when uh our our boy there at penn state was struggling he did look for tensley so tensley to me is another chalk play just like braylon allen i just think that for 5700 he's gonna at least double that in as far as his production if anything so why why wouldn't you try that as well um and then I would say I like the Perry one versus Davis. We're on that same game, and we'll talk about that on FanDuel, where I have a whole game of just this game because of what's capable between these two teams, especially yeah. with Mike Wright versus Sam Hartman. But uh, what was your thoughts? Yeah. Same thing on Perry. You just want to stack him with Hartman and, and do the uh, do the stack that you want? Yeah. Wanted? I mean, I'm always looking for a way to stack. Um, I'm going so. to have a lot of Hartman, a lot of Perry, a lot of Wright, a lot of Ray Davis. Mm. You know, uh, some Will Shepard sprinkled in there. Um, I think all of it is is great. I think Donovan Green presents maybe more upside than Perry, too, just mm. because I don't think a lot of people, just common DFS uh, players, are going to um, know the ceiling that Donovan Green has. Uh, I mean, we know Hartman is able to support multiple receivers in that offense. Um so I, I really like that play. Um, you know, I I like your uh, your Tinsley play there. I, I do want to touch on it just for a second. Now. Of course, of course. I I know that you know I have been wrong on Parker Washington going into to last week, but the big thing that I want to mention is that all of Parker Washington's production came early in the first fifteen to twenty plays of that game. 
that suggests that the coaching staff wants to find ways to get him the football. I think he got lost a little bit in that game script when, you know, they were rotating running backs, trying to find who's going to get in rhythm with the ground game. You were trying to get two quarterbacks in rhythm and swapping them in and out, all sorts of herky-jerky things like that. So I'm not I'm not fully out on Parker Washington just yet, but, you know, I, I did love what I saw from Kinsley, especially down the stretch of my game. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to touch on real quick and then we'll get Jared on his uh, synopsis of the both lineups being our CFF guy and going through the starts and sits that he did this uh, this past episode on CTN. Definitely go check that out. Chase Brown against UV at 6,400 still. People are still disrespecting Chase Brown. That man is going off on people. He's going off for the past week and a half of football. So well, this man played within a four-day span and still went off on both games. And now he plays UV, who struggles to block anything. It's just like my friend there in North Carolina, the ACC is just struggling against both the run in the past. So other than Clemson, defense looking pretty stout there at Clemson, I will say. Um, but other than that, uh, I would say, why not play Chase Brown at 6,400 and pair him with a guy like Ray Davis or Ramon Davis, as we know him as. I think that's a pretty good deal. I love the A-chain pick, too, against App State. We saw both run, you know, multiple running backs in North Carolina do against uh, App State. And though App State has a great run uh, offense, their run defense, it is complete opposite. So I do love the A chain pick there. I think that's a nice that's a nice move too. Jared, knowing I what you know. Yeah, go ahead, Ethan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to throw in with A chain. I do think he's gonna have some depressed ownership with the dud that he put up last week. Yeah. Um so that's really my thinking there. I've seen those big explosive runs that UNC was able to pull off. I think he's a lock for a big touchdown run this week. Yeah, I think he makes the comeback this week. All right, Jared, seeing what you're seeing and knowing the matchups and the start sits that you and the Moxie have talked about, and then when you and Nate, what are you thinking about these said lineups? Is there something that concerns you? Do you think these are good plays? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, Brandon, let's talk with let's start with your roster here. Sure. This is a full PPR league. Why do you have a running back who is not known for catching the ball in your flex? Uh, you're talking about Braylon Allen, simply yes. for the fact that he's going to so, put up a godly amount of running. And that is that. great, and you should put him in your running back lineup over Ray Davis, who I think is going to be game scripted out of the game against Wake Forest. He's the one guy I'm looking at in your roster that I'm kind of wondering what's going on here. I think you can find some decent wide receivers under 7,500, or excuse me, 5,700 instead of Ray Davis, and you throw them into that flex spot, take advantage of the PPR. That's kind of my thought process here. I like that. Not a huge fan of Brandon Armstrong, but again, this is the kind of matchup where he can do really well. And I do love your Chase Brown pick here. I won several games last year by playing up against UNL or UVA's rush defense last year. Nothing tells me that they have been improved this year. I think he's going to absolutely smash. Love that pick. Again, my big my big qualm is I think you can optimize your lineup a little bit better there by putting Braylon Allen as a running back and then going at least finding a receiving running back to take advantage of that flex position. I definitely like that concept for sure. Ethan, let's look at what you got going on over here. Again, you got Braylon Allen. I like. I think overall I like your roster just as it is already, Ethan, a little bit better than Brandon's. I'm not entirely sold on Devin A-Chain, especially at the 6800 price. If you're ever going back to the process of him hitting three to four times that amount, he had kind of a rough game last week and it was against Sam Houston. I know they're going up against App State, but App State we saw was good at stopping the run against UNC. Again, now I expect Texas A&M to be better at running the ball than UNC, but regardless of that, I am a little concerned about him being able to hit that 
value that you were talking about there. And I'm not really loving him as a pick. I feel like you can find some higher scoring matchups in this realm here. Again, I don't know which games are all involved in this slate. So maybe I'm talking about my butt here, but I feel like you can go find another running back that might be able to fit that just a little bit better. I'm curious. Would you take uh, Chase Brown over De- uh, Devin A. Chain? I would 100% t- take Chase yeah. Brown over Devin A. Chain. Because we see there the, the salary-wise. I mean, that would be a great pivot there. I would, uh, I would well. 100% take him over Devin A. Chain here. Yes, come join yeah. me on the Brown train. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move over to FanDuel, and then we'll wrap the show up here. This is where I wanted to showcase what a full game stack is. And I know we've probably heard it on the podcast where Chris was talking to a Wob last week about doing a full game stack and that we thought he might be a tad too creepy by doing it. But I think he was, <laughs> I think he was in the concept. He was in the right mind where he's being what we call contrarian. He's just being out of the box. Now this one's not so much out of the box because we know the over and under about this game, but not a lot of people are going to stack the entire game to play. So for me, it's like, Mike Wright and Sam Hartman, they and you're seeing it now, Jerry, but uh, FanDuel has a very higher range of price points, especially for their quarterbacks. Especially, I was just about to say, can, can you remind me and the viewers sure. what the difference is here? Yep, so the difference is you have one less. There's no uh, – so you have – you do have three wide receivers. There is no flex, extra flex. There's only one super flex, so you can do two quarterbacks, okay. three wide receivers, two running backs. It is 0.5 PPR, so half-point PPR, and there is no bonus for going over 100, uh, 100 yards or anything like that. So it's purely on the production of the player. That's where the strategy changes a little bit, and that's where things like a full game stack can come into play because you can do things like this where you can do Hartman and Perry – I like Christian Turner in the matchup because Vanderbilt doesn't really stop the run too much. And if you're looking at just running back production, not really looking about PPR because only half points. So for me, I like Turner, who's has fighting the end zone a little bit more than Ellison, but they're a good tandem to go along with it. But for me, I wanted Ray Davis or Ramon Davis back in there as well to pair Mike Wright. But I had to make sure I get Shepard in there. And, of course, my chalk play, Luther Burden, who's the Swiss Army Knife. So he'd be the one guy out of the entire stack that I decided not to play. But I wanted one chalk play or one consistent that I know will probably get me 15 fantasy points, if not more, just by the touches and what he does alone in that offense. It's really just burden to Pete. So for me, I wanted one consistent play, and then the rest of it, I wanted one game that might shoot out, that might be the shootout of the week. It might be another App State Carolina game, and that's the one I wanted to be a part of. So that's what I chose, and it looks like Ethan got a little bit of that, but it looks like he pivoted over the USC game, which I think was actually a pretty good game as well. Go ahead, Jerry. Real quick, one question, uh, sure. Ethan. This one's for you because, again, you brought up the cool. idea of a player hitting value. We're looking at higher prices here for FanDuel than we were for DraftKings. Is the idea in this case of a player, quote-unquote, hitting value different with these higher prices here? Like, instead of three to four times, like we were looking at DraftKings, is maybe are we looking at only maybe two to three times their value here? Is it a little bit different when you're over here on FanDuel? Yeah, whenever I'm looking at FanDuel, I'm thinking more two and a half, three times uh, okay. as a as a solid projection. Um, and if they go over that, like I said, you know, that's gravy. Okay, sounds good. Go ahead and talk about your lineup. Yeah, Ethan, tell me about, uh, I'm interested in the Mario Williams instead of the Addison pick. Are you, are you thinking yeah. that people are off on Williams because of the bad performance? So I have just two things that I want to cover just slate-wise before uh, going into my lineup. The first thing is that wake at Vanderbilt, I'm hearing that there could be some weather coming into play um, on Saturday. Uh, (laughs) So that is one thing that I am taking a very close look at. Yeah, I might change that out last second. (laughs) Uh, 
I'm usually not one to do a full fade based on weather, um, unless we're dealing with some very high winds. Um, that being said, uh, just something to consider. The other thing um, it comes into play, I do have Nathaniel Dell here also in my uh, FanDuel lineup. I'm a little worried about the over on this game and the high Vegas total. Um, Houston's defense, all through the offseason, we were talking about how this is a defense that is a power five defense that has a great defensive line and can really make things difficult for the quarterback. Um, I like the fact that Donovan Smith is playing more than uh, if if Shuck was still in there because he does offer some, you know, if the play does break down, he offers some upside there. I'm just, I'm a little bit hesitant. I love the game. I talk about this as a game stack in my article that's coming out tomorrow. I just have some pause. I do think there's more risk than people may be anticipating with especially the Texas Tech side. Um, that's that's all I'll say on that. Um, going into my lineup, uh, you mentioned Mario Williams. Uh, I'm stacking him with Caleb Williams. There was definitely a big discrepancy target-wise. I believe Mario Williams was third on the team in targets uh, last week uh, behind not only Jordan Addison, but also Taj Washington. Um, so there is a little bit of concern there. What I will say on that, though, is I do believe that Addison and Williams were the only two to have all of their targets come from Caleb Williams and not from uh, the backup. I think uh, Miller is Miller Moss is is thrown there. Um, so something to consider there. Another thing with that uh, game against Rice that USC had three interception returns for a touchdown just completely destroyed whatever game script that offense was going to be employing. Um, they got real funky with the carry splits, and it's just weird. It's a super small sample. Um, I think when things get tough, Caleb Williams is still going to have a special connection with Mario Williams. Um, Mario Williams, uh, just super cheap. I mean, he's the cheapest player in my roster here. He's cheaper than Nathaniel Pete. Um, granted, there's not the PPR uh, boost on FanDuel, um, but I think Mario Williams' upside warrants him in lineups, especially on FanDuel. Um, he will be on the late slate for DraftKings, so I haven't looked at pricing there, but if he is as cheap as he is here, full go. Um, I also have Braylon Allen uh, in this lineup as well. Um, you know, I think it's just a smash, especially with no PPR. I'm not worried about uh, Braylon Allen at all, even with the 10, almost 11,000 that we're paying for him. Um, I do have Nathaniel Pete as a cheap option with uh, the running back spot here, um, 5,900. I'm hoping he's he's fully healthy in this one. That's something that I'll be watching as well going into Saturday before lock. Um I've got uh, A.T. Perry in this lineup as well. I didn't go with the full Hartman-Perry stack just because the super flex and getting rid of one of the flex options um, makes some difficult choices. And so I liked the the Williams and Williams stack for the Trojans, and, and that took me off of Hartman there. But still love A.T. Perry's upside. Um, you're really banking on touchdowns, especially on FanDuel. And I think A.T. Perry's one of the higher likelihoods of wide receivers to score a touchdown on the day. Um, like I said, Mario Williams, Nathaniel Dell there. And then uh, closing out with Mike Wright. Um, I mean, the dude is just super athletic. He is an SEC athlete, and Vanderbilt needs SEC athletes playing in the SEC. Um, so I, I'm a full go on him. You know, Wake 
again, they were shaky at best last year uh, on defense. They were in a lot of shootouts. We're hoping for another one here. I also think Mike Wright is a little bit more insulated if we do have some bad weather in that game. Uh, with his his uh, his feet, um, he can make plays. Uh, I, I'm I'm big on Wright uh, this week on both both of the sites. So, seeing what you're saying, Jared, what is your thoughts on on the lineups here? I don't have as much to comment on these guys. I think y'all did a pretty good job here, Brandon. Of course, assuming that that game doesn't get rained out, yeah, I'll and everything does, <laughs> and things get thrown to the ground there and everything. Uh, Ethan, I have to say, I probably still like yours a little bit better. I like the diversity of games that you're kind of going with here. I don't think I would ever be brave enough to do what Brandon's doing, unless it maybe it was two people or it was a team playing up against UNC. Maybe then we look at it. Um, but no, Ethan, I'd say I'd probably like Ethan's lineup a little bit better here. Again, just the diversity of players you're looking at here. I like the stack between Williams and the discounted Mario Williams. Uh, I was kind of thinking to myself and everything where I was kind of looking at their prices and everything, knowing that you get 60000 in this. So that roughly leaves – it leaves like 10000 for like for big-time players. But then, of course, like that would leave an, an empty spot. So you have to kind of find – ways to discount yourself and looks like you use up a good amount of what your money here. And I think you did a good job with the amount of money that you spent. Yep. I think it was a way that Sam Hartman has is more expensive than CJ Williams. Or, and he's uh, just coming back Williams, from, uh, so. he's just coming back too. And it's like, with the, as soon as that found out, I believe his, his price went skyrocketed. Uh, I want to say probably almost triple. It was ridiculous. So they're expecting I will, big things I would, Sam Hartman. I would, I would take advantage of that and try to go for a guy like CJ Williams. If I saw those two yeah. next to each other and saw that big of a price difference, I'd be like, no, 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 we're going CJ. It's one thing that's funky or to Caleb. What I keep uh, saying CJ Williams, Caleb Williams. <laughs> we, we know who you mean, but it's one thing uh, to kind of pay attention to how these different sites price backups. Um, really funky on DraftKings. Sam Hartman was less than uh, Mitch Griffiths. And, there's zero reason for that because if he's injured, he's not going to play. Nobody's going to play him. If he's not injured, he's going to play and he needs to be more expensive than Mitch Griffiths. So there's zero yeah. reason for it. And just some funky stuff that's going on. Uh, I think FanDuel. Uh, I guess even that's another question I have is like mm-hmm. props picks, they move throughout the week and that's part of the yeah. game. Does that happen at all with DFS or does it typically it's just they keep one, it the same? One and price? done. Yep. They gotcha. just leave it. Which is crazy because as soon as Sam Hartman, you'd think they'd switch the prices, but they don't. So maybe I think they're hoping that the casual that doesn't pick up that Hartman's back, or maybe they just think, you know, if Hartman was still injured, maybe they still think Hartman is the actual quarterback. So they would pick him hoping that they would just, you know, lose their money. So I don't know how maybe that's their thought process, but it's just strange that that doesn't go up and down. Whereas prize picks will look at other sports books and look at other props available and kind of adjust depending. Because a lot of times there'll be a lot under or people be smashing a lot of theirs where they're like, "Uh Oh, we made a mistake. DraftKings has it for this. And then they'll go and swap it on you. So that's where getting, you know, like we talked about in the other podcast, getting in early on price picks is the way to go. Whereas DFS, once the slate is up and the prices are up, they're not changing it. So it's pretty much, you have a day to look at everything and then you have an opportunity to start building those lineups. So it's definitely the way to go. Cool. Gotcha. All right. So it's been a pretty fun episode. I've enjoyed this one. This one's been not only educational, but it's been pretty cool as far as like, 
picking out the stuff, the different matches that we have, getting Jared's mind into it and kind of focusing on that. I do like that he's newer, so he's giving us like a fresh perspective. So I really did like that Braylon Allen thinking outside the box. That was really cool. Uh, so we one, we want to thank Mr. Jared Pongren for joining the show. Uh, sir, I know you have a particular spill. You might not have it in front of you, but if you can remember some of it, why don't you tell us where we can find you, where you can find some of your work and some of the places that they can hear you at. Yeah, of course. I am the host of the Chase and Daddy podcast. It is the CFF podcast for the Campus Canton podcast family. Got tons of great shows for you guys twice a week right now. Uh, Mondays, we're doing waiver wire picks and recaps of the previous week. And then Wednesdays, uh, or the first show is with myself and Nate Marquise. We do a great job there. Wednesdays, I'm releasing a second show with myself and Chris Moxley. We go over your sit-start discussions. I put out a tweet usually... Usually it'll be either Monday night or Tuesday morning, and you guys bring to me the sit-start dilemmas you're facing in your leagues that are just driving you nuts. You just have no idea to pick between two or three players. We'll discuss them on the pod. Best ones make it on every single week. And then we also preview some of the higher-scoring games. Absolutely go check out each of those shows every single week. Plenty of content for you guys there. That's pretty much what I'm doing for the most part during the season. Again, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. I try to answer DMs and ads as much as I can. Again, we're in the season now. I'm a little bit busier, so I don't always get to you right away. So please be patient with me if I haven't gotten back to you. And if you, if I haven't gotten back to you and you're listening to this, just send me a little reminder or DM, and I'll try to get to you as soon as I can. But even so, Brandon, it's been awesome being on here tonight, man. It, this is always a blast being on one of these shows, and I had a great time learning about DFS had a great time discussing with you guys and yeah i hope people found education yep we definitely enjoy you having here as well um uh, likewise if uh, if you sent me a dm i promise i'm getting back to you just remind me maybe just hit with a bump you know you just hit, you hit me with a thing or an emoji just to know that i've seen it so that i can get back to you i promise you i'm not ignoring you it's just we're in season so i'm trying to do my best uh and of course while we're staying busy, Ethan over here is staying busy with his articles. Ethan, if you want to plug what you got at Fantasy Cruncher as well on the uh, NIL part here at C2C, what yeah. do you got coming up this week? So uh, on over on Fantasy Cruncher on Wednesdays, uh, we usually are dropping a slate preview uh, where I'm going over the top four uh, or five games on the uh, FanDuel and DraftKings slates uh, as far as Vegas totals. Um, we try and, you know, stick to those high game totals because that's going to be the best opportunity to, to make some cash on, on Saturday. So um, those are, are dropping over there. I am doing some NFL work for them as well during the season uh, with an injury report that's uh, drops usually every Wednesday or Thursday. So the Canton side of those C2C leagues, if you're in those, make sure to check that out. Uh, and then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the NIL membership on uh, campuscanton.com, uh, great value. The in-season edge is is the best access, best way to access if you're on the fence about that NIL membership. Um, being able to see the content that, uh, you know, the, the great team at C2C uh, is putting out. Uh, I'll have those prize picks lines dropping usually every Thursday, uh, and then a DraftKings uh, stacking article on uh, every Friday. So that will be dropping tomorrow. Uh, and also just wanted to say, Jared, love, love, love the Chasing the Natty podcast. It is a must listen to if you are in any way. I was listening to it even before, uh, you know, I was super into uh, CFF. This is kind of my first season really dipping my, my toes into that, the strictly CFF pool. Um, but just great information that you guys are putting out. Uh, you, Nate, uh, Chris, it's 
it's definitely a must listen uh, for both of those drops during the weekend season and great off season content as well. Love, love the stuff. Can't recommend enough. Appreciate it, man. Yes, it's a must listen. It's definitely on my rotation every single week, but I tell him that every time he's on because it's true. Uh, but we want to thank you guys for listening in on the, the week two here on the episode four. Uh, be on the lookout for episode three. We have the Chris Moxley coming on next week, so it should be a good time. We're definitely going to be probably talking maybe even some some lines, and we'll definitely be talking some props and stuff like that. But be on the lookout. But until then, we'll see you next time. Peace.